Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Have you ever found yourself jumping from idea to idea in your business and not following through on any of them? I know I have. The same qualities that make us successful entrepreneurs and business owners can also really hamper the growth in our companies. Let's talk about how to keep ourselves in check. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a 9-to-5 job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about avoiding the temptation to focus on the front end of a big sale or a deal and how there really is a lot more money waiting for us that we often leave on the table. Today, I want to talk about an issue that I think a lot of people have a hard time with in general, but entrepreneurs and business owners tend to have an even harder time with. And I know firsthand because it's always been a battle to keep myself in check when it comes to this. The issue I'm talking about is the, quote, shiny object syndrome. I think human beings in general fall into this habit really easily in many areas of our life. Entrepreneurs and business owners, we're some of the worst uh, you know, in the business world, though, because of our typical attributes. But before we talk specifically about the shiny object syndrome, let's talk about entrepreneurial tendencies and the qualities that uh, we generally have. Now, of course, you know, these are generalizations, but I think you'll agree that at least one or more of them are, kind of fits you. I mean, in general, we're creative, we like to move fast, and we aren't really waiting around for someone to tell us what to do. We also take risks more than the average person. I mean, some of us are crazy risk takers, and other are more measured, but still risk takers. I mean, we're also the visionaries in our society who see the potential of ideas and actually do something about those ideas instead of just sitting there talking about them. We're generally optimistic about things and look at the upside of any particular idea. And often we have a fascination with a lot of different things in life, uh, in business, uh, same thing. And finally, lots of us are constantly looking for ways to improve ourselves and our companies. I mean, much more than the average person on the street is, I think. I mean, if you weren't looking to improve things, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast in the first place. But So those are all great attributes to have and necessary to have in business if we want to succeed in the long run. However, like most things in business and life, there's also a flip side to these same positive qualities. And if not managed right, it can really hold us back. Number one, you know, because we get excited about new ideas and ways to improve and so on, it's very easy for us to get distracted. I mean, this can be on a small scale of, you know, checking your social media stuff uh, about some new idea somebody said or, you know, to implementing large projects that are a major distraction from what you should be doing. You know, a lot of us tend to get bored after we're in business for, you know, some period of time. And, you know, um, we may have figured out how to be profitable. You know, things are humming along and, you know, it's no longer a, a nail biter to succeed at some level. And we feel like we're doing repetitive activities that just aren't as fun as they once were. And this boredom sometimes leads us, you know, to want to change things. And if we're honest, sometimes just for the sake of changing things. And we can literally create problems that weren't there um, just because we need to change and get back to that problem-solving mentality that makes us good to entrepreneurs in the first place. Because we're not waiting around for someone to give us permission to act or tell us what to do, we're usually fast movers. And this speed is necessary more and more in business these days, but Speed can also cause you to cause you to miss important details that can derail you quickly. You know, another downside to our optimism is that we sometimes don't want to acknowledge the risks of an idea and the downside. Much easier uh, to focus on the upside and envision everything working, you know, out than to feel like we're being negative by spending time considering the downside. 
And the downside, let's face it, is just not as much fun. And here's a big one, you know, because we're fascinated by a lot of things and we can see potential in a lot of ideas, often we're spread very thin and this can lead back to distraction and failure to focus on the right things. So, you know, what do all these have to do with the shiny object syndrome? And I'm, I'm going to abbreviate this called SOS, um, just don't have to keep saying it. But, uh, well, knowing what we know about ourselves, you know, hopefully you'll see that while we're so susceptible to SOS and, you know, and then how can we mitigate the problems that we can that create? And so we're in the, just on the same page. I, you know, I always like to define what we're talking about, in my mind anyway. I mean, so what is SOS? I mean, you know, generally it's things like, you know, basically a detour from where our focus should be. Any new idea that's not part of our core business, you know, ideas not focused on improving the efficiency, increasing the revenue, increasing the growth of our current offering. You know, ideas that, you know, don't have a well thought out and defined return on investment if they're implemented. Skills that we don't need right now, sort of the opposite of that just-in-time learning. You know, ideas that are ancillary, they're unproven, unnecessary to grow our companies. And ideas that have no specific or measurable results, you know, i.e. general advertising or having a nice office. You know, I think we can further divide the SOS into two areas. I mean, there's sort of the you, Inc., you know, which basically means things that you do for your personal growth, for your knowledge and your skill set, so to speak. And then there's a group of things that are purely company-related. Both of them, if not managed well, can really throw things off. Let's talk about the personal ones first. I mean, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, you know, about this, um, this would include things that anything that really improves your skills as a business person, you know, it could be, you know, a new course on marketing, uh, an industry knowledge seminar, a conference, whatever, you know, just about anything learning related, you know, not that learning isn't critical to your business, but, you know, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, but, you know, and then there's, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, perks, you know. I mean, this is, includes things like, you know, those extraneous things that your company's paying for, but in reality, you know, they don't really have a, do a whole lot for the bottom line, you know, I mean, a gym membership, you know, uh, buying a fancy new office chair so you can feel important. I mean, you get it. These are things that have really nothing to do with and don't directly affect your company's core mission or your ability to be a better entrepreneur. So that's sort of the personal type of things. Um, but, you know, what about more direct company side type of things like sales and marketing fulfillment? I mean, some examples of SOS on the sales side might be, you know, buying a new lead, lead organizing software that, you know, it takes lots of time to implement. And when in reality, the current one handles the core functions just fine. And it's just a prettier upgrade, so to speak. You know, it might be heavily discounting your service just to close a deal and jumping from sale to sale, focusing on the next big deal. You know, it could be chasing down that customer who will, you know, any customer who will pay and taking on the wrong clients. You know, what about marketing? I mean, things like, you know, one-time sponsorships for a convention or, you know, um, doing the, even the dreaded general advertising instead of direct response, you know, getting caught up in quote, you know, branding, like enhancing your website or your marketing materials or something, you know, with the right colors and all that, you know, even if something as, as simple as marketing to a, you know, even to a too general and too large of an audience, you know, because it sounds cool that you can, you know, Hey, I'm marketing to a hundred thousand people or whatever. It's like, or a million people, a hundred million people. Because uh, it sounds cool, you think, wow, it's got to have a lot of potential. But really, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, then, you know, of course, then there's the unnecessary logistics, like I was kind of hinting at before at the perks, but, you know, um, doing things like having an expensive and fancy office space, putting extravagant retreats on and, you know, in the name of team building or, you know, as simple as buying all new computers or some kind of technology that's, you know, just nice. It's cool. It's nice to have, but it's not going to change the bottom line. It's not going to move your company forward. And then finally, I think, um, you know, if you look at something like automation overkill, you know, in today's world and business, you know, we have automation solutions for just about everything. 
and they're growing more and more every day. But just because we can automate things, it doesn't, you know, necessarily mean that we should, even if it's cool, you know. So now we know what it is and some examples of what SOS are. You know, the question is, I mean, why do we fall prey to it? You know, if it seems so simple, you know, but if we don't know why things happen, it's really hard to fix them. So I think it's, you know, it's, again, some of the same reasons that we're successful entrepreneurs. We get excited about new ideas. You know, we get bored with the status quo. We see the potential in things. We want to grow quickly and are easy prey for marketers who are marketers who are selling us, you know, the next best thing. You know, a lot of us are in sales or come from a sales background. And let, let's face it, you know, salespeople are the easiest people to, to sell, you know. And in fact, I just love being sold because I love listening to what they're saying and going, oh, yeah, whoa, that was a great hook. And oh, great buying question, you know, and seeing what they're going to do next. Um, that's just me, though. Um, but, you know, we're also optimistic and, you know, we see potential for growth in, you know, so many areas. We, we want to fix it even if it's not broke. You know, I mean, it goes back to things like, you know, golf, you know, for instance, you know, it's not a game that you can actually win. You know, it's just, a, a, can you get better, you know, in sports, why we're so competitive, a lot of us, you know, um, we're constantly looking for ways to improve our company, constantly looking for ways to improve ourselves, our skills, our, you know, our lifestyle. You know, we, we like to move fast and don't like, you know, doing a lot of the, you know, uh, implementation details, so to speak. Uh, I mean, it's a lot easier to focus on ideas and let's do this and do that and create a mess and let somebody else clean it up. Um, you know, I mean, we're also generally into self-improvement and, you know, a lot of times branding. We have, you know, people that we respect in our industry and, you know, people who do training and that sort of thing, you know, or brands that we're loyal to and, you know. Basically, that person puts out a new program for whatever, and you know we just automatically buy it just because you know it's they're who they are, you know. Um, or a brand puts out a new thing, it's like, well, I got to have that, um, you know. And then finally, I think we, you know, sometimes we fear that an opportunity will go away if we don't take advantage of it. Again, these are all positive things in a lot of ways. And however, we have to be careful in, in letting ourselves get lost in SOS. I mean, there's significant costs in terms of time and money that will really hamper our growth if we don't manage ourselves and our company when it comes to the shiny object syndrome. I mean, there are several big reasons we want to avoid falling into the SOS trap. I mean, first, you know, we want to be masters at our area of business, not dabblers. Now, I've forgotten how the, the saying go, but it's our saying goes, but it's something like, uh, you know, you don't want to be a good at a lot of things because that makes you a master of nothing. Uh, you know, in today's world, general knowledge is of little value in the marketplace. I mean, that's why young people graduating from college can't even uh, get a job because even if they've majored in something like finance. I mean, it's because generalized background knowledge and, you know, uh, skill sets are, you know, not that valuable anymore, especially ones based upon what's in textbooks. What we really need is to become specialists and masters at certain areas of our business, in our industry, and in our lives in general. Mastery is highly paid and general knowledge is not. So getting distracted by shiny object syndrome and dabbling in a bunch of things is not only the wrong way to add value to the marketplace, but it's also very frustrating. I mean, if you ever looked back over a month or a week or even a day and realized that you worked a little on a bunch of things, but actually didn't really complete anything that moved your business forward. I mean, sometimes things take time and, you know, obviously not going to be done in a day. But if you break things down and focus only on a limited number of ideas, you're going to see a lot more progress. It's much better to complete two things than to have 10 that you're working on that never get done and never see the light of day. So shiny object syndrome also slows you down. If you've got all these things you're working on and all kinds of extraneous, you know, good to, to know, but let's say not critical skill sets and ideas that are just not going to move things forward significantly today, it's going to slow you down. And these days, more than ever, speed is the, one of the big keys in business. If you can't adapt, change, and move your business forward quickly, you're going to get left behind. I mean, gone are the days when we can 
get comfortable with what we're doing and just sit still and making just very slow progress over time. It just doesn't work that way. And getting bogged down in SOS is one of the ways to put yourself out of business. Also, think about shiny object syndrome from a purely financial point of view. I mean, how much money have you spent on courses, seminars, books, and so on over the years that you never completed and a lot of cases never even started? I mean, I'm totally guilty of this. You know, the reason I did this episode because I realized I was falling into SOS a couple of weeks ago. I signed up for, you know, one of these uh, marketing challenges, which is, you know, all the rage right now online. And, you know, I also signed up for a course and also a two-day seminar, you know, and it was all because, you know, I respect the people who are doing it. I was fascinated with that area of, you know, the topic or whatever. And I thought I can do this stuff, you know, and here I am two weeks later, which I didn't touch the challenge or the course. And I showed up for, you know, part of the two-day seminar. I mean, that's huge, big bucks down the drain and not to mention the time. And it was really this epiphany that gave me the idea for this episode. That's, you know, it's an ongoing struggle for me personally. I've gotten better at it over the years, but even if you've been in business a long time like me, it's still easy to fall into shiny object syndrome, even if you know better. I think that, you know, the last hard cost of getting caught up in SOS is an opportunity cost. You know, opportunity cost basically means, you know, if you have option A and it costs $100, but what other options do you have? And should you be spending that $100 on other options because you can't do both. So instead of putting our resources into things that we know we have a high likelihood of a payoff in because we've done them before, we have some other evidence to back it up, you know, we get shiny object syndrome and start trying out new things, you know, for many of the things just for the boredom reasons we talked about. You know, this chasing of new things takes time, money, and resources away from the, the quote, sure thing. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is the original Wall Street uh, with Michael Douglas back in the 80s where, you know, his character Gordon Gecko says something like, you know, I don't take risks, I bet on sure things. Of course, he was talking about illegal stock trading, but you get the point. Um, so if we know something already works or has a high likelihood of working, you know, we better have a really good reason and well thought out reason why we should redirect resources to some other new unproven idea. So, you know, I know I've kind of beaten this topic up a little bit, but I think you have to figure out what you're doing and, and why we're doing it before we can actually focus on a solution. But let's talk about some specific uh, actions that we can take to minimize and mitigate the SOS in our life. There are really four things in my mind that we need to do. I mean, first, we have to identify when we're getting into shiny object syndrome. I mean, you know, we have to figure out how to master the boardroom, so to speak. Then we need to set up rules for action and questions to ask ourselves in both categories of our personal type SOS ideas, as well as the business specific ones. Let's talk about uh, step one, identifying it. You know, then this is, of course, the first step. How do we even know that we're going off the rails and chasing an idea that may be in that SOS category? I think there are a lot of signs, but some of the ones that always stick out to me, you know, you get excited very quickly about something, a new idea or whatever. You know, it's cool or it's fun. You know, it appears to, quote, revolutionize your business. You know, you always hear that one. Uh, It seems like the answer to your problems, you know. It comes from a brand or a person that you have a lot of respect for. Um, You know, you've got some vendor contacts you instead of contacting them. Um, you know, they sort of put the idea in your head. Um, so it's things like that. But so let's say you've identified an issue, you know, that says, hey, this is likely an SOS type of thing. What do we do? I mean, like a lot of things that it, it starts with an attitude or a mentality mindset, whatever you want to call it. You have to constantly remind yourself until it becomes a habit that repetitiveness is actually a good thing and you can still enjoy it. I mean, look at the musicians, for instance, you know, they're masters at repetitiveness. They write and play, you know, songs to play for people live. You know, some of them go on tour and are doing the same exact set of songs every night for 250, 300 nights a year. I mean, can you imagine how boring that would be if they 
hadn't mastered boredom and how pathetic an experience it would be for the audience who can tell they're bored. I mean, uh, you know, I went to a, a Def Leppard, you know, concert four or five years ago, this rock band from the 80s, if you don't remember. And it was amazing, you know, how good they were. Although they were promoting their, their latest album, you know, let's face it, most of their hits were in the 80s. And Joe Elliott, the lead singer, got up there and he was singing his heart out like it was the first time he sang Hysteria. And not only was it over 100 degrees in the outdoor venue in Phoenix during the summer, but, you know, he'd been singing that song for 30 years on tour after tour. I mean, talk about mastering boredom. You'd never know it, you know, from that he'd sang that song thousands of times. You know, so the question is, obviously, how do we model this? How do we do it, get ourselves to do that? Well, as we talked about, you know, money, the money is in the mastery. Mastery comes from consistent focus, consistently focusing on something and not dabbling. And this is where SOS can kill us. I mean, we dabble in something instead of going all in. From a mindset standpoint, we need to embrace repetitiveness as much as we can. You know, sometimes it has a bad connotation to it, but it's actually good. You know, as humans, we have both the need for security of knowing kind of what's going to happen or an idea as well as being surprised by stuff. You know, when it comes to business ideas, we need to discipline ourselves to be okay with and accept the fact that repetitiveness, you know, to a certain extent in our business is good. But how do we do this? You know, you know, it's like any area of your business. It's much easier for you to do, you know, if you accept repetitiveness in areas of your business that you're good at and that you like. I mean, on the other hand, if I tell you that you need to keep focused and stay on task with a part of your core business, but you hate it to start off with, it's unlikely you're going to stay focused for very long and you're going to look for some shiny object. So like we've talked about in other episodes, get rid of those things in your business that you don't like and aren't good at and focus more on those areas you enjoy and excel at. You're much less likely to fall into the SOS trap when you're doing things you actually enjoy or at least you don't mind. Doing stuff you hate is almost begging for SOS to come in play. So, you know, first we need to get our our mind right and set ourselves up for success to avoid SOS. What else? Well, you know, if you look at the two categories, you know, the sort of the U Inc. part as well as the more company category, I kind of like to approach both of them the same general approach, but with a little tweak. I mean, first, when it comes to me and my growth as a business owner, you know, I have set up some specific rules and guidelines to help keep me on track. You know, I try to give myself a limit in the number of courses, seminars, learning, you know, et cetera, during a particular time. You know, monthly is what I've been trying to do recently. Uh, so if I know I can only handle one new learning course this month, you know, I stop myself from going in on all other, going all in on other things. You know, I also have a set max budget for these things annually and do my best not to exceed it. That kind of helps, you know, keep me in control instead of buying and buying and buying and trying to do too much stuff. You know, obviously, given the story I told you about when I signed up for three things like a few weeks ago and used none of them, you know, I don't totally have this down, uh, but it's, I've been good at it in the past, but it really fell off the wheels on this one and not following what I knew to be the correct way to handle it. Uh, you know, I was fortunate I was able to identify it very quickly and thanks to knowing these general rules of actions, uh, so to speak, which is why I'm sharing the, uh, these with you. So besides trying to have a general rule of thumb, you know, limiting the number of learning type of things and, and a budget, you know, I also try to evaluate each one by asking myself questions uh, that can sometimes you don't want to hear the answer to, but it's the only way to actually evaluate them. You know, I ask questions like, you know, how will this learning impact the growth of our business right now? Meaning, is this completely relevant, uh, you know, or is it just a cool subject that I would like to know a lot, a lot about that I don't really need and it's not really going to move the company forward right now? And probably the most important thing, can I commit to the follow-up time that it takes to implement this thing? You know, if the course itself or the whatever, the seminar, whatever it is, you know, if it's a day or two days or a week or whatever, that's not the t- where the time is. The time is, is the execution afterwards. Do you have the time to do that? And, and are you actually going to do it? You know, what's the opportunity cost? You know, what else could I use that money on? 
or would it be more effective, you know, somewhere else if I spent my time doing something else? So that's more on the personal development side. But what about the other areas of the business, like sales, marketing, and fulfillment? I think you can use some of the basic ideas we talked about. Um, you know, you want to set up guidelines or rules and limit the number of ideas that we're even going to consider during any period of time. And, you know, putting any others, you know, down on the uh, down the road list. You know, once we have this set of ideas, we want to prioritize them in order of which ones are have the biggest impact on the business the quickest. I mean, this is usually pretty easy to identify. If you can't identify when the payoff will be, that's usually a good sign that you shouldn't be doing it anytime soon and should put that on that future ideas list. And then we want, you know, to evaluate these ideas more in depth before we implement any of them. Same thing, you know, you ask questions again. You know, what's the exact payoff for doing this right now? What's the risk if this doesn't work? What's the opportunity cost? What else could we do with the time and the money this is going to cost? You know, are we considering this because, you know, let's face it, you know, it's cool, it's fun, it's nifty. So hopefully that gives you some ideas on how to identify when you fall into SOS and, and how to uh, help spending too much time there. As I said, you know, I don't personally have this down 100%, but it's one of those things that we can constantly work on. So takeaways from this episode, first of all, know that shiny object syndrome, you know, is very natural and probably even more natural for entrepreneurs like ourselves. You know, and what that probably means is that you're a good entrepreneur. And you're most likely to succeed because you have those attributes. And it's okay to want to better yourself and your company. We just have to be smart about it. And we have to figure out how to identify those shiny object syndrome areas. Discipline ourselves to ask questions every time we're considering it. And, you know, most importantly, have the courage to put it on the back burner if the payoff is not good and it's not immediate and it's not tangible right now. So that's all I have for this episode. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. If you're interested in learning more about how to grow your B2B small business, please call my office at Sales Double, which is 866-231-6776. Talk to you soon.